Not the best one we've done. I'm super zoog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get something out we, of that. We got very off topic. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we gotta kick it back into. We are in broadcast mode right now. We are definitely in broadcast mode right now. Charlie, turn it on. Oh, of course, I can do it in an instant. What's going on right now, Chuck? Are we back with the Good Hockey Podcast? We're back with the Good Hockey Podcast with another 10 out of 10 rating episode. You know, it doesn't get any lower than 10s up in this. Real trap shit. How you doing today? We're speaking with our good friend Scott. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you are a particularly dear friend to us, and we have you on. It's it's truly our privilege to have you on because you're also a sport researcher. You've contributed to the field of knowledge of sport, that is, with this paper that you published for your thesis project. Uh, you know what? I'm talking so much about you, <laughs> but I think we should let you talk about, talk about yourself. So... Scott, thanks for coming on. Can you talk about your uh, your experience at at Humber College and how you came to write this paper and and essentially what's what it's about? Uh, for sure, yeah, I can talk about it. It was I ended up after high school thinking about what I wanted to do for school and kind of didn't really know, so I kind of just went into general arts and science, and that's where I found sport management. And after sport management, I you know I kind of really enjoyed it. The class was really good, and our one of our final projects that we had to do was we had to do a, pick a certain topic as like our big research that lasted the entire year and it could be any topic you want related to sport. And so you could either do, you know, you could interview people, you could do a survey and I thought, okay, you know what would be a good topic to think? And at the time I was like, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. So I was kind of seeing what was going on in the NHL. I'm like, you know what? I kind of think the role the enforcer has kind of changed as it was is growing up watching hockey. It was, you know, they'd always have that one guy who's designated to just go out and fight all the time. But as I got older and hockey started to evolve more to like a faster, more skilled game, you know, that all started to phase out. So I thought, you know what, that's a perfect thing I can write it on. And so, yeah, I just ended up doing a lot of research, did a survey about got people's different opinions on what what they thought of it, whether that was, you know, friends, family, pe- people I went to school with, just anybody sent it around and got a lot of good responses. And, you know, some people kind of agreed that, yeah, they'd rather not see the the that role be in the NHL anymore they kind of prefer the more fast skilled type game than you know just a guy going out there to fight every shift what do you think so we know so can we summarize quickly your findings what what's what's generally where's the public leaning in terms of the role of the enforcer i think the public's leaning more so to they know they kind of agree that they don't really need it anymore like it's not yeah you don't you don't need it anymore there's no need the game's gotten so much faster like it just doesn't make much sense to have one guy on a designated line to just go out and fight the other team's players for no reason, you know. Odd, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be the odd fight here and there, but it's not going to be a guy whose just sole job is to fight. Like, the guys who are playing now can play, you know. They're in there for a reason. They're skilled. And, you know, you look at teams' fourth lines around the league and you'll have some lines where you're like, man, these guys are, are pretty deep and they got skilled guys who can, who can play up and down the lineup. And there's not that one guy you think, oh, well... He's going to fight today, so you better be weary of him. Teams just, you know, they just go out and play. I think what we're talking about 
with why the role of the enforcer has diminished is what hockey is as a cultural product has changed. It was a physical game, and that was the draw. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, people wanted to see this sort of combative thing going on. And now the game has shifted to more about putting the puck in the net. It's less about all the blood and the... And the, the big goal, hits. The fighting and the injuries. It's changed to just getting the puck in the net. And what's doing that is the skill, right? And I think that's the draw of the game. So we're kind of seeing this shift between um, the old and the young, I guess. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely true. So I'm looking at some of your uh, some of your research here. Fighting in relation mm-hmm. to personal interests in the NHL. And we see that for some, it's not really an impact at all. Like, most people are completely ambivalent on the topic of fighting. Yep. Most players are just not fighters or, uh, I guess, don't care too much about it. Yeah, I just yeah, I just think, like, obviously, you kind of see it, like, you know, obviously, in, you know, the Leafs-Montreal series, you kind of just see Felino fighting Perry. Obviously, you know, Tavares goes down with the injury. It's just a whole freak accident. It's not like Perry went out there trying to hurt him and then... Felino's just like, you know, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta fight you here. And people are like, okay, it's, you know, like, that's okay, I'm okay with it. But they still don't understand why Felino had to fight him if, you know, he didn't really do it on purpose. And yeah, you see, you always kind of still see the fights in there, but it's usually after the big hits. Like, you see the clean hits and guys, you know, are getting jumped and fighting. But, you know, as the game gets faster, I'm sure, you know, the guys will, you know, whatever. The big hits are going to happen. You don't need to fight a guy every every hit, you know. Like, big hits are part of the game. You don't need to jump a guy. Just like, let the hits happen. Just play the game. And, Everyone will be better for it. For sure. And and as you're saying, as the game gets quicker, you know, guys like Connor McDavid, uh, just more skill gets brought into the league, more speed. Uh, accidents are bound to happen. And some of them may be serious, like the Tavares injury we unfortunately saw uh, in the early, early round one. Um, but yeah, you know, you don't really need to go out and fight these guys for a freak accident. I remember watching that fight and I kind of knew why Felino went to go fight him. Like maybe he had to, but at the same time, after witnessing such a horrific head injury incident, you're going out yeah. to, to punch this guy in his face a couple times. It seemed out of place. In, it, it seems out of place it in, seems in the sport a nowadays. Barbaric, but for to me, it all comes it down to how we're managing the overall injuries in the sport. That's what this comes down to. If the biggest respondent of your survey, Scott, the, the, the biggest majority group says they have no, it's no impact on if there's fighting in the league. They're completely ambivalent. They don't care if it's there or not. Then why would we keep it in the league if it's causing injuries or if it's promoting unnecessary violence? But I get this, this counter argument is sometimes you can use it to manage the game. Yep. Sometimes you can use it to prevent yep. too much emotion coming from the other side, as we've seen in this in this Felino incident. Yeah, no, it's true. You can you can kind of use that depending on, you know, if the game's getting a little out of hand, I'm sure guys are going to, you know, some guys who are going to fight are going to say, okay, you know what, this game's getting out of hand, let's just settle this, get it over with. And there's this, I guess, it's still amongst the fighters, this thing called the code, as they like to live by that. Like, there's a certain 
code you have to live if you still want to fight like there's only certain ways you want to fight guys and you, know, you live by the code and then you obviously throw it back to Tavares thing and you don't really think that was part of the code that was you know the way Flino probably looks at our captains on the ice I don't care if it was an axe or not I'm gonna fight you but kudos to Corey Perry you know he, he you know he dropped me he knew what was gonna happen but yeah, it's 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 kind of you think you didn't really need to just play the game, and I just you know hope as we as you see these younger guys coming in, you know now that they've kind of phased it out so more in the lower levels too, so they're not they're not fighting as much, and if they do fight, there's certain penalties where if you fight too much, you get suspended, and so they're slowly trying to take it out the lower level. So when these guys do get to the um, NHL level, they're not they're not gonna you know they're not gonna fight as much as they would have if they didn't phase it out like they're doing. Yeah, and you know a lot of these. Uh or rather not a lot of these, but I, I noticed a couple of scrums ensuing after a whistle, usually around the net, uh, that can oftentimes get very phys uh, physical. And a great example would be when Tom Wilson essentially body slammed uh, Artemi Panarin oh, yeah. into the ice. And, you know, he had his, his stick in his hand on Buchnevich's back and neck area, which is probably the most controversial of it all. Yeah. But Artemi Panarin injured one of the superstars of the league injured in that scrum that was just allowed to continue and escalate to that point. So it begs the question, you know, how far does the league go to stop fighting and to stop this kind of barbaric ritual that exists in hockey? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how far the league's really going to go to stop, but I think, you know, there are some people still like watching. I'm sure it's going to stay in there for as long as the game goes on and it might not be as much but of course like the tom wilson thing it's just it's just you know obviously that shouldn't have happened i freaking you know he tackles a guy and then he doesn't really get suspended everybody's like oh it's tom wilson blah 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 and now you wonder you know are the rangers it's still fresh in their mind about obviously if they're playing washington again are they gonna go out in the offseason and address that situation right are they gonna go out and sign a guy who you know whose main job it is to probably fight tom wilson so that doesn't you know it doesn't happen again right so that's there's another certain thing like okay the thing's allowed to happen but then you're kind of leading rangers are they strictly going out to get an enforcer guy to to deal with tall motion or they just said you know what it has it has what happened like the next game the guy i think fought him and they had their whole situation after where there was like four fights right off the opening thing that whole game was out of hand and that's the NHL's fault because that game didn't need to happen. If they had done something with Tom Wilson, that game never would have escalated to what it was, right? So you will still see fighting like that when an incident like the Tom Wilson Panarin happens. So it, the fighting will be there, but they didn't really honestly need to get there at all. So you said if it the league needs to step in to help prevent further incidents happening in the games, are you for or against further penalization? Like, do you think they're getting? What do you think? Is Tom Wilson getting enough games for this type of incident? Was it mo too much, too little? He, he got a $5,000 fine and everybody's up in arms because he didn't get suspended. And they're like, oh, he's not a repeat offender anymore because he served his like time and everything. And it's like, I don't know. It's the NHL really is not going to come in and say, okay, he's done. You know, he's trying to change. He's been suspended like, you know, 20 games. It got reduced to 14. It's like, you know, what are they waiting for one, him to do one more stupid thing where he like knocks a guy out and the guy's like in the hospital and... You know, the guys and come back to play all year. Are they waiting for something like that to happen? And say, okay, you know, we got to throw the book at him here. And it's like, he gets a $5 fine for punching Bush Neighbors on the back of the head, which didn't really need to happen. And you'd want them to at least do something. Okay, like, you at least give them, like, a game or something like that to show, like, okay, you know, you don't really need to fucking do this to a star fucking player. Like, grab him and tackle him. Like, who knows if Panarin hits his head on the ice, you know. Do they bring out a stretcher? Does Panarin, like, the way he pulls him down, does he break his ankle? Like, there's so many factors in that thing, right? And the NHL... It's all about if 
Panarin's going to hit his head off the ice. And should we prevent those types of... It's risk management, you know? Can we say that... Can we say that any sort of action after a whistle, like Tom Wilson throwing Panarin onto the ice over his shoulder, can we hyper-penalize any of that so, so that it won't happen whatsoever, that players know it won't happen? Like, is it worth doing that, or is it important to the emotion of the game? And will it even matter considering hockey? Because on the flip side, John Tavares, that head injury didn't come from a scrum. Right, that was right. just the nature it's of how the game accident. is. It's a exactly. freak accident. So I feel like these freak accidents are even more likely to just happen in hockey than someone getting injured from 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 a fight. So, oh yeah, like the games, the game's so fast now. Yeah, the game's so fast, so you're gonna see those freakings and like the Tavares one. It's just so spur of the moment, you know. It's a pass out. Corey Perry's skating back and tries to jump out of the way, and you know the game's so much faster than it was. Okay, that's gonna happen, but. That's you're gonna see these probably as the years go on. Guys are skating so much faster now, and boom, there's gonna be accidents. And you know, it's not really NHL's job to do that. Like it's gonna happen. But the, back to the Wilson Panarin thing, it's I don't really know what the NHL can do to, to police that. I think that's just the game that like you know got out of hand a little bit, and then of course Tom was on the ice, and then Panarin kind of like jumps on Wilson because Wilson on top of his teammates. So it's kind of like okay, maybe if Panarin doesn't really jump on top of Wilson, Wilson never really tackles him, right? So there's so many different like factors that could lead into any game with any of that happen, regardless if it's Wilson and Panarin. It could be any player in any any game tackling another guy, and you know, and you see it kind of in the playoffs now. Like the refs have kind of there's just this game management thing. Like the refing in the playoffs has been so suspect. Like even last night, I saw like Corey Perry gets absolutely bloodied with a high stick in overtime, and there's no like there's no call. Like how do you miss that? The guy. The guy misses, and then it goes back to even though like the early first round, Connor McDavid drew thirty. He had thirty calls, like basically he drew thirty calls that did not get called. Like he got like everything they could do to slow him down. Like the guy almost took out his knee again. Like it was like a knee on knee was pretty bad. That you know Connor McDavid, the guy who's gonna win the Hart Trophy this year, and you want him to friggin' be injured for the year because you think oh we're no we're just gonna let him play when one of these days it's gonna cause a serious injury. Yeah, exactly, and it. Just he's a twelve and a half million dollar asset to the league, you know. Yeah, it's like he's the star player of the league. If if the league wants to grow and it wants to grow its viewership, you need Connor McDavid and you need him healthy. You need him scoring one hundred and sixty points a year, right? And you need that in the playoffs. So I agree with you completely. Like I I think that the league needs to take a bit of a different approach, especially around uh, the super. Oh, definitely. Like they just. Let the superstars, you know, play, grow the game around them. But, like, in the playoffs, like, if there's a freaking call, just call it. Like, be, like, even you look back the other day, like, the Braden point against the Islanders in game two where he gets cross-checked by Pelic in to Varlamov and Varlamov goes down and then point gets a goal interference penalty. And he's like, you know, what am I supposed to do there? The guy cross-checked from behind into the goalie. And it's like the Islanders guy's pushing his own guy into the goalie. And apparently the ref came out saying, you know, these are two of the best goals I want to protect them, so I had to call a penalty there. It's like, okay, yeah, you can see both sides of it, but you still should have called. If you're going to call Braden Point for goalie interference, call Pally for cross-checking Point into his own goalie. It's like you want to prevent these injuries, just stop having guys cross-checking players into their own own goalies. It's just like just call the game as it should. If it's a penalty, call it. Like just don't let it fucking just don't miss calls that – that should happen. It's just not good for the game. You want people to watch and like, okay, why isn't that a penalty? And 
you know, it's it's just it's annoying at times. You're trying to watch, like, hey, that's a blatant call that you completely miss. Like, what's the problem? Like, we can all see it. Why can't you see it? And you're right, right on the ice with these guys, right? Um, uh, from everything I've watched since I wrote my research project, I think I'd probably say no, just because of just the game the way it is now. It's you're seeing like the skill guys just take over the game on any given night. Whether it's still Crosby being Crosby, you have McDavid like putting up a, over 100 points in 56 games like it's fabulous you know matthew scoring 40 goals in 50 games like you have these guys star players and you're not going to have these guys on on fourth lines who are just going to strictly line up and fight every shift and play two minutes a night when you can have four lines of all skill guys if you want just rolling out there and keep the game flowing keep it creative but i think the way the game's in i don't really see why teams should really employ it like you do see some that probably have one or two like obviously you see Vegas he has Ryan Reeves right you could see him as an enforcer just of how he is but he still plays like he doesn't go out there and fight every shift he goes out there and he plays hard and if he has to fight he will but he's not strictly just an enforcer like you know there's going to be tougher guys who are older but they'll play right they can play and they'll fight if they have to but they're not strictly just fighting which is you know what the enforcer was back back then you know especially with the league's safety concerns are you know there's been a lot of talk especially in the last i want to say 20 30 years about concussions and the long-term effects of concussions you know and the league trying to phase out some really dirty hits which uh, you know is also or was also a big rule of the enforcers where you know they would kind of just go out and smoke the best player on the opposite uh, the opposition's team and then you know try and injure them and with the league's new regulations, that just is not a part of the game anymore, right? So it almost seems like the role of the enforcer to just go and hit and hurt guys doesn't even exist. So why would teams go looking for them? You know, that's exactly right. And like you said, concussions is a big thing now. Like you just, you know, back then I'm sure guys would fight and they don't know like the ramifications of the fighting. And then you see as the game grows and these older guys who are fighting all the time with like how badly repeated shots to the head of getting punched really screwed up their lives. and. You know, they're constantly taking painkillers all the time. And obviously now, like you said, it's just, we just need to let the players play. You don't need guys repeatedly getting punched in the head every day. It's gonna screw up their lives the rest of their life. And you're seeing it now as, as, as the game grows and just all the stuff you're hearing about concussions with the technology and just the information they didn't have back then that they do now, they understand, okay, concussions are actually like a really bad thing. And you just hope that when guys do, you know, just make sure that they're okay and not like risk, you know, risk ruining their lives, right? Exactly, and I think that's why we're also seeing a shift in fan support away from the enforcer. Because it's it's no one wants to see a guy hurt anymore. We're aware nope. of the mental health implications, and I think as we move from a society of spectacle towards a society of care. I think that 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 ethos of the ethic of care will kind of push away the enforcer. Definitely, definitely. So Scott, we're hosting this research project that you did for your thesis, your graduate thesis project at Humber College. We're hosting it on our blog at medium.com/goodhockey. And is there anywhere that people can find you online? Yeah, I'm pretty much just probably the best way to probably like Instagram or like Facebook. But yeah, Instagram is like Scott9181 is the Instagram if you want to follow. I'm on Twitter as well, too. And I just scroll on that. If you search, I believe it's Scott91. It's got 9181 in there, but probably Instagram is the best bet. Just go with Scott9181 is the Instagram if they want to give me a follow. 
Great, thanks, pal. We really loved uh, this article that you wrote for us, and we're more than happy to have you uh, hosted on our platform. And we hope to have you back again soon. Yeah, man, this was fun. It was great to talk with you guys. It's been a while, so keep up uh, the good work with the podcast that you guys are doing. Okay, take care, buddy. We'll send this to you when it's done, all right? Take care. All right. See you, man. You too. Take care, guys.